0: Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today, I want to talk about a case from 1930 uh, that actually has a picture to go along with it. Uh, Twenty years ago, the Northern Ontario UFO Research and Study Organization—it's uh, a website that's a great place for uh, has a lot of different cases. It has a great library of different photographs, drawings, stories, uh, reports submitted by different people. Uh, It's similar to the National UFO Reporting Center. Actually, they do have some of the files, some of the audio files uh, from the 1970s that uh, were made uh, from people who reported uh, UFO encounters and extraterrestrial encounters to the uh, National UFO Reporting Center. They actually have a library on this Northern Ontario UFO UFO Research and Study uh, website uh, that you could check out from the 70s that were uh, compiled by the National UFO Reporting Center. So they do have an association. Uh, but there was a great little, there's a whole bunch of great things on here, but one of those things I came across with regards to a uh, encounter with a apparent extraterrestrial being was, was from a picture that was submitted 20 years ago in 2003 by someone, an anonymous person, uh, submitted this picture of what appears to be a little gray being in the walking into the woods, uh, in Alaska. And anyway, uh, here's what it says. Uh, date 1930, location, Alaska, United States. The, the picture was taken in the early 1930s by the sender's grandfather, who lived in Alaska. The entity was first seen when the grandfather was on his way to a lake. He chased the entity until he got close enough to take this one picture. It was some four months before the photograph was developed, being it is in a remote, sparsely populated area. The sender received the picture from his grandfather only last week his grandfather died the day after giving him the photo and relating his story and you look at this picture it looks like your little classic gray alien like the first picture it's just far away but then they do a couple of close-ups here and when you scroll down it looks like you have the the big dark eyes there and it looks like like a strange little creature actually it's casting a shadow on the ground it looks like and it's running it was apparently running away from this person back in 1930 um, and here's what here's here was the letter that the person sent to this uh, website. It says, "Dear sir, the included picture was taken by my grandfather in an early in the early 1930s. I scanned the image immediately after he gave it to me last week. I wish to remain anonymous since I don't want anything to do with any research or whatever on this. I know it looks like an alien or a Bigfoot, and I know my grandfather was telling me the truth." about him taking this picture. That's why I think it should be in the right hands. You are the only one I'm sending this to, so please respect my privacy and don't contact me about this. Thanks in advance. And the name was withheld. But yeah, the the, the picture of this being, I mean, it looks very similar to the descriptions by many people. It actually reminds me somewhat of the reports of the Roswell beings. I remember it, uh, there was some descriptions that it looked like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I mean, that's... That's what this thing might be right here. Uh, I don't don't know. I mean, it's it's very interesting, and I thought it was worth uh, talking about. Uh, And anyway, we're going to move on to some other stories that I found on this uh, site. Uh, Here was one, the Alfred Bertu encounter, and this was from something that happened in 1983 in Aldershot, Hampshire, in the United Kingdom. And it says here, Alfred Bertu was fishing along an isolated canal when a disc-shaped shaped ufo landed nearby the beings were humanoid four feet tall dressed in green overalls and wore helmets with visors the beings gestured at the witness to follow them and he went up a stairway into the craft he was made to stand under an amber light the beings spoke to him in broken english telling him that he was too old and infirm for their purposes he was then let go and then he has a drawing this uh, alfred bertu had put a sketch together here for the for the record, and you can see what, it, what the craft looked like. And there was a picture here of this gentleman, Alfred Bertu, and then there was also a drawing. Uh, this was by artist Michael Bueller, and so that credit goes to him of this gentleman <clears throat> meeting with these beings. Anyway, here's the story. We'll go through the article here. It says, That 77-year-old Alfred Bertu was fishing the Basking toque Canal in the peaceful early hours of the morning of August 12, 1983. He saw a brilliant light descend from the sky and settle on the nearby towpath, thinking it must be a helicopter from the nearby... Ministry of Defense base, he took no notice and poured himself a cup of tea from his thermos flask. Then his dog, Tiny, began whining furiously, and two figures emerged from the darkness. There were about, they were about four feet, four foot high, dressed in pale green overalls from head to toe, Bertou told reporters, and they had helmets of the same color with a visor that was blacked out. The strangers gestured to Bertout to accompany them, calmly setting down his cup of tea. The intrepid pensioner followed them along the towpath toward a saucer-shaped craft. I was 77 and didn't have much to lose, he later explained. Climbing up a set of steps into the saucer, Bertout discovered that the ceiling was so low he had to stoop. He found himself inside a black metallic octagonal chamber which smelt slightly of decaying meat. "'I did not see any signs of nuts or bolts, nor did I see any seams where the object had been put together,' he recalled. "'What did interest me most of all was a shaft that rose up from the floor to the ceiling. The shaft was about four feet in circumference, and on the right-hand side stood two forms similar to those that walked along the the towpath with me. One of the beings told the old man to stand beneath an orange light, which appeared to scan him for a few minutes.' What is your age? Asked the entity in a sing-song voice, which sounded like a mixture of Chinese and Russian. When he replied that he was 78, it declared, you can go, you are too old and infirm for our purposes. Bebused, Bertu climbed down from the saucer and returned to his fishing spot. The first thing I did was to pick up my cold cup of tea and drink it, he recalled, and then I heard this whining noise, just as if an electric generator was starting up, and this thing lifted up and then took off at a very high speed. Apparently unfazed by his bizarre encounter, Bertu resumed the task at hand. I got into what I had come out for, the fishing. Despite his rather curt reception, he later declared his nocturnal adventure to have been the greatest experience of my life. Then it goes on to say that he's not alone, apparently, in having failed an alien medical test. American abductee Carl Higden believed that he had been rejected as a guinea pig for a hybrid breeding program because his captors discovered that he had had a vasectomy. Likewise, Luis Oswald, an elderly Brazilian abducted in 1979 by beings who claimed to be from a small galaxy near Neptune, reported that she had endured a lengthy examination, then been told she was of no use. You know, you wonder what would happen if they, if you were of use though, and you just disappeared and they just take you away and that's it. Very interesting stuff. Again, you got to check out this site. There's so many stories on here. I'm just you know, I just want to point out a couple of them, a few of them, a handful of them. Okay, and uh, moving on, uh, here was another interesting one, I thought. A UFO with two occupants hovers over man's car, and this was in 1975. The location was San Antonio, Texas, in, in the United States. A 48-year-old San Antonio sheet metal worker claims he had a close encounter of the third kind with two occupants of a UFO. He was driving his pickup truck just south of San Antonio when he was approached... Spotlighted and nearly buffeted off the road by an unidentified craft, investigators report. Uh, and this source was from the San Antonio Evening News, and this is an article here from Mike Ullman. A San Antonio man claims he had a close encounter of the third kind with two occupants of a UFO. He was driving his pickup truck just south of San Antonio when he was approached, spotlighted, and nearly buffeted off the road by an unidentified craft. The 48 year old sheet metal worker reported two short creatures with slit-like eyes inside a globular airship. They weren't human beings like we see here, he said. Almost three years later, the incident and many others remain unexplained. In the wake of renewed interest in UFOs spurred by the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, many people are realizing that San Antonio has has long been a prime site for UFO sightings. With Close Encounters smashing attendance records across the country, UFOs are getting more publicity than at any time since the last big UFO flap in 1973. As defined by Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who also served as technical technical advisor for the movie, a close encounter of the first kind is merely seeing something that cannot be explained. The second kind is when a UFO leaves some kind of evidence that it exists, such as burned rings on the ground or radar traces. And a close encounter of the third kind is when you actually meet them, some ufo buffs have added a fourth kind of encounter to the list of those for those claimed instances when a ufo has actually kidnapped or interfered with humans strange alien creatures and flying saucers have become dinner table conversation in just the few months since the movie came out so this is obviously late 1977 early 1978 that we're talking about here uh we're going to skip forward here uh to the uh, to what uh, this man encountered uh Investigator Gary Graber concluded that the majority of events happened as related. The occurrence took place on Mogford Road, south of town, shortly after 9 p.m., according to his interviews with the San Antonio man. The man was driving to a nearby store when he noticed a strange amber-colored object rise rapidly from a grove of trees about 900 yards away. The object then streaked toward the pickup truck at a terrific rate of speed as the light on the front of the vehicle changed from amber to bright cherry red. When the craft got directly over the top of my pickup, the lights went completely out and the engine was dead, the man said. As I was trying to get out of the pickup, I thought it was a chopper passing on top of me at first. Then, when they hovered over the top of me and I got a good look at it, I knew it was no chopper. I thought to myself, that's got to be a UFO, the man reported. He said the craft was globular with a sort of shelf-like projection encircling the transparent upper section. The bottom of the vehicle was highly polished metal and had the cherry red light apparently mounted toward the front of the craft. The UFO hovered over the truck for between 10 and 20 seconds, and the man got a good look inside. The two creatures were not over five feet tall with light, firm skin, he said. They were bald, with long, prominent ears and a long nose. Their eyes did not appear very plainly. They just looked like slits, he told the investigator. Now, this, these kind of beings, they don't sound like you're standard gray totally different i've heard of, you've, there's been several many cases not several many cases where beings have pointy ears pointy pointy noses so so there's all all kinds out there running around apparently The investigator speculates that the slits could have been lids or protective membranes to protect the eyes against glare. The skin was not like our skin. It appeared to me to look sort of like shark skin, sort of a gray color, the witness reported. There was no motor noise during the time it was over my truck, just a whirring shriek of wind. It was very loud. It sounded to me like a cyclone he said. When the craft left, it took took off straight up. There was a terrible thrust that buffeted my pickup and then it vanished almost instantly. It was just like turning off a light bulb. He noticed a strong odor like burning copper or electrical wiring while the craft hovered over his truck. The odor lingered for several days, he said. The man also reported eye strain from the intense red light. I feel like they got a good look at me and maybe got my picture or something, the man told the investigator. The report notes that he was familiar with the type of aircraft seen in san antonio and discounts any possibility of the craft being a helicopter or other conventional plane i have to totally agree with that that's i don't think that's not no that's not the description of a conventional aircraft and obviously when you look at the drawing that he drew well that's out of this world okay and now uh one of the craziest stories you ever heard of here is two skiers encounter humanoid at Imjarvi, Finland. And this happened in, on January 7th, 1970 in Imjarvi, Finland. Arnio Heinonen and Esko Viljo were out skiing when they encountered a 10-foot wide UFO that approached and hovered near them. Okay, we're just going to skip forward here they have a picture of what this being looked like. It looks like some weird looking face with a dunce cap on. And also, this being was carrying some sort of a black box that had some sort of a pulsating light in it. Here's a drawing of what they saw. It looks like a flying saucer with a beam coming down, and a being standing uh, on the on the bottom underneath the in the inside the beam. And these two guys are looking at it. But anyway, let's get into the article here. It says uh, the time was 4:45 p.m. on Wednesday, January 7th, Jan- uh, 1970. The place was Imjarvi, 15 kilometers northwest of Hainola in. Southern Finland, Woodman Arnio Heinonen, 36, and former Esko Viljo, 38, both active competition skiers, were out skiing. They came down from a little hill to a glade where they usually take a pause. It was sunset and a few stars were visible in the unclouded sky. It was very cold, negative 17 degrees Celsius and windless. They had been standing in the glade for about five minutes when they heard a buzzing sound and caught sight of a very strong light moving through the sky. i just to stop there for a second. That buzzing sound, that good old buzzing sound, you know, a lot of people report that, including myself. I, I encountered that buzzing sound once. A uh, very strange sound. Uh, anyway, continuing. It approached from the north, made a wide sweep, and came at them from the south, descending as it came. The faint buzzing sound became louder. The light halted, and they then they could see that a luminous red-gray mist was swirling round it. Puffs of smoke were thrown up from the top of the cloud. The two men stood quite still, staring into the air, saying nothing. The cloud was soon down as low as 15 meters, and they could see what was inside it. A round object, flat on the bottom, metallic in appearance and about 3 meters in diameter. Heidonen's account, as reported by the Gothenburg UFO Information Center, runs, the round craft hovered a while, completely motionless, above us, while the buzzing sound could still be heard quite low. Then the huge disk began to descend, along with the red-gray fog, which became more thin and transparent. It stopped at a height of 3 to 4 meters, so so near I could have touched it if I had reached out with my ski stick. "'The craft was completely round. "'When it came down obliquely toward us, "'we saw it had a dome on the upper side. "'Along the lower edge was a kind of raised part "'on which were three spheres or domes "'spaced equidistantly.' From the center of the bottom projected a tube approximately 25 centimeters in diameter from which suddenly there came an intense beam of light. I don't think we said anything to each other at all. We were completely amazed. We saw the light move in a, a, a couple of times before stopping and intensely illuminating a patch of snow about a meter in diameter with around it a dark edge, almost coal black and one centimeter wide. I was standing completely still. Suddenly I felt as if somebody had seized my waist from behind and pulled me backward. I think I took a step backwards, and in the same second I caught sight of the creature. It was standing in the middle of the light beam with a black box in its hands. Out of a round opening in the box, there came a yellow light pulsating. The creature was about 90 centimeters tall, with very thin arms and legs. Its face was pale like wax. I didn't notice the eyes, but the nose was very strange. It was a hook rather than a nose. The ears were very small and narrowed toward the head. The creature wore some kind of overall in light green material on its feet were boots of a darker green color, which stretched above the knees. There were also white gauntlets going up to the elbows and the fingers were bent like claws around a black box. Let me just stop there for a second. Wow. Wow. could you imagine seeing something like this? You're out skiing. And next thing you know, there's this is this is going on You know, it's amazing how you you never, you never see it coming though, right? I mean, a lot of times when these things happen, it's just complete, you're completely caught off guard and next thing you know, there's something incredible something unbelievable is happening right in front of your face. And then Viljo says, the creature stood in the middle of the bright light and was luminous like phosphorus, but its face was very pale. Its shoulders were very thin and slanting with thin arms like a child's. I did not think of the clothes only noticing that they were greenish in color. On its head was a conical helmet shining like metal. The creature was less than one meter tall. Suddenly, it turned and directed the opening of the box toward Heinonen. The pulsating light was very bright, almost blinding. I was It was very silent in the far. Suddenly, a red-gray mist came flowing down from the object, and large sparks started to fly from the illuminated circle of snow. The sparks were like tapers, about 10 centimeters long, red, green, and violet. They floated out in long curves rather slowly. Many of them hit me, but though I expected them to burn me, I did not feel anything. Viljo says, the sparks were shining in several colors. It was very beautiful. At the same time, the red mist became thicker and hid the creature. Suddenly, it was so dense that I could not see Arno, even though I knew he was standing only a few meters away from me. Heineman says, I could only just see Esko. The mist was very thick and I could no longer see the creature. And Viljo says, I saw the being for perhaps 15 to 20 seconds, no longer. Suddenly the beam melted, flew up like a flickering flame and was sucked into the gap of the craft. After that, it was as if the fog curtain was torn to pieces. The air above us was empty. I don't think you can say we were afraid. We were laughing and talking about this light. But at the same time, we felt a little uneasy. They stayed there for ha- perhaps three minutes. Gra- gradually, Heinenen became aware of a numbness in his right side. When he stepped forward on his skis, his right leg wouldn't support him, and he fell in the snow. My right leg had been nearest the light. The whole leg was stiff and aching. My foot was as if it, it was anesthetized. Viljo says, it was growing dark. I asked Arno if we should be on our way. I thought he was joking when he sat down in the snow, but then I saw he couldn't get up, though he tried over and over again. And then it goes on, they had, these guys had some symptoms from this. Uh, Heinen said he felt ill. My back was aching and all the joints were painful. My head ached. And after a while, I had to vomit. When I went to pee, the urine was nearly black. It was like pouring black coffee onto the snow. This continued for a couple of months. Uh, Viljo said, I hurried to the nearest neighbor who lives some 600 meters away. He has a telephone. The first two doctors I called couldn't come. But Dr. Kanjondo said he could, would meet us at Hainola Clinic in an hour's time. The neighbor drove us there. Uh, to the doctor, Heininen complained about his aching joints and his headache. The doctor prescribed sleeping pills and next day sedatives, telling him the symptoms were, would be gone in 10 days. But they continued, and Heininen was unable to work. In May, he reported he was still ill with pains in his head and neck. The least effort tired him. The numbness in his right leg had gone, but he still had trouble with his balance. His memory was so bad that if he had left home, he had to say where he was going so he could be picked up if he didn't return. So, these people s- suffered some uh, particularly Heinen and suffered some uh, issues here. Uh, continuing here says both men seemed sincere, and I don't think they had made the thing up. I'm sure they were in a state of shock when they came to me. Something must have frightened them. This is one of the, uh, the this is what the uh, doctor was saying. A strange thing happened in June nineteen seventy when the two witnesses revisited the site together with a Swedish journalist, a photographer, and an interpreter. The hands of the three strangers suddenly became red and Heinenen had to leave the site with a powerful headache so yeah uh yeah these this is an incredible case there's a lot more to it of course i'm going to leave the links for this and again there's a lot of different cases uh humanoid encounter cases on here ufo cases pictures drawings everything i mean this site is pretty decent i really like it a lot and i'm sure that you will too uh, when you check it out and this is a very strange story um, again, among many strange stories, we have no idea what they're doing to us or why they're doing th- things to us like this. Or, you know, this guy was obviously in pain for a long time. He suffered from whatever they, they probably, again, like I was talking about in the previous podcast, I think these beings are just indifferent to us. And, uh, if they want to pick us up, pick one of us up for some sort of experimentation or whatever, I mean, they're going to do it and there's not much you can do about it. It's just, I it could be a matter of just being in the wrong place in the wrong time or just bad luck one or the other, and at the same time, it's still an amazing experience, you know, I, I, I don't think I would ever take, want to take back my experience of seeing one of these, creature, not just the, well, the creature, that's a scary experience, but I'm glad I did have it, because it made me realize that it was, that this is a real phenomenon, but also the, uh, the, the UFO sighting that I had in 1994, I wouldn't take that back from the world, for the world, I mean, that was just, it was, you know, it was—it's exciting. To, I mean, the memory of it is very, still very strong in my mind. It's still very strong in my friend's mind who was there. Uh, I, I, I love to talk about it. I think it's—it it's, was—it was fantastic to see it. But if I had something like this happen and I and I was suffering physically, you know, well, I don't know about that. But anyway, uh, I want to move on here and talk about a an article that appeared in. Uh, well, it's appearing all over the place. This discussion about this green fireball that was caught on a Louisiana. Uh, ring camera. Uh, here's uh, There's many articles online. I'm just going to use the one here from the DailyMail.com. It says, a green fireball caught streaking through the sky in Louisiana has sparked UFO panic among, lo- among locals who believe it could be a sign of aliens. Well, let's just stop there right off the bat. Now, they say panic in the headline. They're saying panic in the first paragraph. I don't think there's panic. There's no panic over this that's that 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 insinuates that there are people running through the streets in this town in Louisiana, scared out of their gourd, screaming, "Let's get out of here!" Let's, let's all panic. Let's you know that's not the case. That's not a panic. I mean, some people are actually joking about it there, and and it could <laughs> this thing could just be a meteor too. We just don't know. I mean, just like uh, you have to remember, like what Stanton Friedman always says, you have to underline uh, some UFOs are extraterrestrials like a hundred times. You have to underline some. I mean, this was something that was caught on a ring camera. And it looks like, who knows what it is? It could be a meteor. I don't know. Uh, Some people are saying it's a meteor. Some people are saying it could be extraterrestrial. We don't really know. I think it's pretty neat, you know, nonetheless. But anyway, continuing here, it says, Ring doorbell doorbell footage captured the moment the bright emerald orb soared over the horizon at 4.30 a.m. on July 14th in the city of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. A 17-second clip from the home security device begins with a view of a dark, Sleepy suburban street with no signs of movement. Suddenly, a green Gatsby-esque light appears from afar, seeming to streak closer to the camera from behind a house. Over the course of a few seconds, it illuminates the entire sky bright white before disappearing into the night. Um, I don't know what this is. Again, it could be a meteor. Uh, that's what the AccuWeather is saying. They, they they think it's a meteor. AccuWeather shared a clip. The clip on Twitter describing the sighting as a meteor, though many people are convinced it was an extraterrestrial sighting. Dazzling! A meteor lit up the sky in the southwestern Louisiana yesterday morning, uh, the weather service said. Ring doorbell, doorbell camera footage captured the incredible view from Gretna. The American Meteorological Society reported 29 sightings in six states. The same spectacle was also caught on dashcam footage by a driver passing through Louisiana. Over a few seconds, the light can be seen moving from the right To the left of the road, lighting up the sky in a dramatic projection as it crosses the horizon. Yeah, that could be anything. Could be uh, just a plain old meteor. But never fear. Never fear. I mean, see, sometimes we get focused on just these one sightings, these one-offs. But there's stuff happening all the time. Uh, For instance, uh, I was just talking before about the National UFO Reporting Center. And if you go there online, you go to their site online, uh, they have have cases uh, every month. Every month of the year, there's a number of cases that are reported to the National UFO Reporting Center uh, database. Like, for instance, you can click on the uh, index by event date, for instance. Okay, just look. So far in the month of July, they've received 81 reports. Uh, in the month of June, there was 271. In May, 308, and so on and so forth. I'll leave the link here. If, if uh, The National UFO Reporting Center is a great place to visit. A lot of cases all the time. Some of them have photos. Uh, for instance, uh, this one. Uh, This one here has a photo. This was something that just happened on June 28th um, in Virginia, Woodford, Virginia. Um, And I'm just going to read this little quick uh, report that was uh, provided to the National UFO UFO Reporting Center. It says, Orbs of light stationary at first and then slowly move. Just to add a little context, we live in the middle of an old cornfield surrounded by other cornfields, very rural. Picture is taken from my back porch, camera facing east. The other cities are are north, Fredericksburg, Virginia, approximately 20 miles, and south, Richmond, Virginia, approximately 40 miles. I reside in Woodford, Virginia, which is in, in the county of Caroline. There's an army base, fort app hill in bowling green virginia but that's west of my house around 20 miles or so the camera is facing spotsylvania louisiana etc all rural areas and to the east we do get commercial flights to fly over but they always fly at very high altitudes I can't think of any commercial airports that are within 50 to 60 miles of us and none in that direction. Closest are Richmond and DC. There are commercial aircraft in the sky, but I did not notice any craft racing toward it or anything trying to investigate. I have to note that the picture is exactly as it was taken on my phone. However, I think my phone did like an auto adjust focus. The reason I say this is was taken somewhere around 10 to 10.30 p.m. The sky was much darker and the orb's lights were dimmer or more faint, so the camera kind of amplified everything. On the bottom pattern, the image makes it appear as though it could be a spotlight of some sort, which it definitely could be, but in person it looked as though the lights were shining downward. The top row of lights didn't appear to have any sort of beam. The objects weren't racing around the sky. In fact, they initially appeared as though they weren't moving at all. However, over the course of about 10 to 15 minutes, the pattern did change. They almost lined up parallel, but then the bottom row became almost one with the top when the pattern of light was disappearing, they appeared to vanish upward or so it pe- appeared that way uh and then there was some an article in the local newspaper that too but you can see this picture uh of this of these lights uh, that were in the sky now I've seen something like this before too and and there have been other cases like this in the past that have been explained away as uh, spotlights shine, from, from shining from the ground from some place, from some other location possibly shining up in the sky and creating this illusion like there's something there. Now this even this person who submitted this says that and that's what it could be but he doesn't know. He said it didn't look like that to him as he was looking at it and obviously this person might have seen that kind of uh, those spotlights before too and he said that although if you look at these very closely it does look like uh, especially this bottom row here it does look like they're, the the light from these objects is uh pointing down but it could be spotlights shining up but then again we don't know again that's it's the national ufo reporting center some of them are more uh some of them might have an explanation some of them might not but this is what you get you get a lot of stuff on there some some more interesting than others and this is happening all the time like i said if you go to their uh you go you know, just for instance let's just click on this month 88 uh july for the month so far there's 81 reports you you go through them uh you could click on each one and see which you know more get more information about each one they give a summary on the side i mean look at this look at all the ufo sighting reports happening all the time now these are just the ones that are getting reported to the national ufo reporting center i mean how many are not getting reported anywhere uh a lot of people just don't ever do anything with it but some people go online and they figure hey I i gotta report this somewhere and they'll find the national ufo reporting center and that's a place where you could send in your report. And so if you do ever, ever have a report, make sure you send it to these guys because uh, they'll put it up there. And, you know, again, you can go through them one by one. Some of them have pictures. Some of them don't. Uh, like for instance, here's, here's, here's one that happened on July 9th in Mound Ridge, uh, Kansas. Is that Kansas? Yeah, Kansas. Rectangular object traveled east, northeast overhead, coming into view fast with a white hot light very low and then slowed down. And there was a picture that accompanied this one, so look at I'll I'll click on it. We'll see what it see what the picture looks like. Uh, and there's more more of a description now. You can't really see much in the in the picture. I mean, you can see looks like something's there in a black sky, little round objects. What are they? We can't really tell. But hey, it's somebody's taking the time to report it. It was significant enough to them that they contacted the National UFO Reporting Center and they sent it in. And this is something that's happening all the time. Every month, every week, right? People are seeing stuff. So that again, I just wanted to point this out because the Louisiana story or even the Vegas story from uh from May, uh the Vegas alien, there's there's stuff that's happening all the time. There's not just the for some reason certain cases get more attention than others, but if you were to go to the National UFO Reporting Center, you would see that this is a phenomenon that's happening all the time, every day, every day of the week. And there's and people are reporting them all the time. Until next time, I'm glad you joined me for this show and until we meet again.